Hello everyone and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my father. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. My name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm an American double board certified psychiatrist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to our episode last week all about back to school and kids and hope you enjoyed that conversation. Today we want to continue that topic, but we want to venture into college and college-aged people and just talk about what we foresee for this next academic school year, some preventions, and some of the trends that we've been noticing. So dad, what what would you say is to be expected with this new fall semester? Well, let's hope that it's a good semester for everyone, that the new freshmen going in that are going to be starting college and the return students will have a productive and, and healthy year. That's what the hope is. And presumably colleges everywhere are, are resuming in person, fully in person again. Um, and we talk, we've talked about, you know, we've had a huge college-themed episodes in the past. We've talked, spoken a little bit about cocaine, Adderall, alcohol usage, of course. Uh, what can we, I guess my question for you is, is there record, or I should say, are the substance abuse, is that like increasing amongst college aged people or is it staying the same? Like, what is that trend? Well, compared to pre-pandemic levels, the, the onset of the pandemic has brought more stress and subsequently more alcohol and, and drug use. So the trends of late are sort of mixed. There is an increase in alcohol usage overall, particularly in high-intensity drinking. So like binge drinking? Well, binge drinking is defined as five drinks in a row mm-hmm. as opposed to high-intensity drinking, which is defined as 10 or more drinks in a row. Well, <laughs> so, wait, and you're saying that's the trend? That there's an increase in high-intensity drinking, particularly in some universities that have uh, top-notch athletic programs and a Greek society. Hmm. Those seem to be the risk factors. I know um, at USC, obviously, like we keep up with USC in this house because we're a USC household, but I did see that some of the frats disenfran- like disenfranchise themselves from USC and like are self-governing themselves, which, you know, USC has certain protections in place so that uh, they can prevent hazing and other things like that from happening. Um, So I think it's safe to assume that there will be an increase in drinking in that, in those types of environments, you know, being self-regulated often means, you know, going unchecked, I feel like, at least in a fraternity. Well, as you know, USC, among other schools, is is known for, among other things, its football team. And so it's at high risk. That seems to be the, as I pointed out, one of the risk factors to have a, a football program as well as a 
fraternities, sororities, uh, the combination are usually what drive people to seem, seemingly to drink. Uh, that's the number one. Alcohol, as you know, is the number one drug of abuse in, in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk about some of the other uh, drugs that are abused in college. We were talking about this earlier about Adderall. Um, was there any, I don't know, if, and I don't know if you've done the research on this, but like I would be interested in knowing this statistics of kids taking Adderall that is unprescribed to them in a college setting. Well, to get a comprehensive view on this, it's it's a good idea to visit the NIDA website, the National Institute of Drug Abuse. And the director, Dr. Volkov, she talks about how there isn't any evidence that Adderall or the other stimulants increase cognitive performance. So that's somewhat of a misconception that college students have that when they take stimulants that it helps them perform better. There is evidence that indicates, as for Dr. Volkov, that people seem to feel that they're doing better, but that's not accurate. Um, Who does benefit from stimulant use? Well, she points out that if you're sleep deprived, you're tired, the stimulant will actually give you the energy, um, because that's what stimulants do, to study through an evening, and it, that may help you perform better in, on your test on the following day, but it's only because it will, it helped you stay up and, and prepare for it. But if, you're, if that's not the case for you, where you feel that the stimulant is just going to help you become smarter that's not that's not the case either because these medications are meant for those that having attention issues or hyperactivity issues and most kids that get into college especially the elite colleges don't do not have any difficulties focusing or else they wouldn't be getting into these colleges so the stimulants will not help you focus more because you didn't have a deficit in focusing or attention so there isn't any proof that these medications will Im- improve your cognitive performance. That's just not not it, the case. And that's only for, like you said, people that aren't diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. These medications aren't going to work for you because they're simply not meant for you. Exactly. They're not going to improve your ability to focus if you don't have an issue with focusing to begin with. So... But people get the sense that they're doing better than what they actually are. And that's that's proven in the, in the literature, too, and the evidence that is available that people feel that they're actually doing better than what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I think it'll be interesting to see the trends with this following academic year, how many students... Are taking it, but then of course you know, like the numbers are never true because it's not like if you're taking Adderall that's unprescribed. I don't imagine you're reporting that anywhere. <laughs> so, well, as you know, there are certain kids that are prescribed Adderall, and these kids know that there's a great deal of value to a, a, a tablet of Adderall. So they are there is a black market for it, and it's and the sellers are the are the kids that 
uh, do have a legitimate prescription to obtain it, but they turn around and sell it to somebody who uh, obviously doesn't. So uh, that's where the market is, and that's where the value is of these pres- and, and these prescriptions. It's, it's the misuse. And outside of, so we covered drinking, we covered Adderall. Um, I think we spoke about this in one of our previous episodes about like fentanyl. Do you think there will be an increased use of fentanyl amongst college kids this school year? Un- seeming like unknowingly, because I don't think kids are going out and buying fentanyl per se, but they may be purchasing, they may be thinking that they're purchasing Adderall, for example, or cocaine and instead they're getting fentanyl do you think we'll be seeing more of those cases the truth of the matter is that that is definitely the case that when people buy certain drugs it comes contaminated if you will with the fentanyl and fentanyl as you know is a very potent semi-synthetic opioid and there's no tolerance that people that that take this medicate this drug and so it can have some deadly outcomes up because, again, the, the user doesn't know what they're getting. So uh, fentanyl can be a lethal in overdose. Um, and what? let's talk about maybe some tips on how to reduce your anxiety as a college student how to stay focused this school year without, you know, having to lean on stimulants and that sort of thing. What would you recommend students do when they're stressed out, whether it's midterms, finals, maybe the pressure of performing well in a competitive academic environment? Well, as you know, the transition from high school to college can be stressful and it's an adjustment period that usually should take about a month for somebody to sort of get used to the college life. Some kids have better coping skills than others and their adjustment can be smooth. However, those kids that struggle can turn to alcohol usually because when it's readily available, there may be some peer pressure and it's also, I think, it starts from high school. I think when graduating high school, there's parties that after that start after you know, you know, during the high school during the, the celebration the period. Ce- yeah, the, the celebration. So that's when I, I think kids really start uh, drinking then, and it may continue throughout the summer. And once they get to college, it's they've already formed uh, the habit. Pretty much. So they're and what they find out is that. Alcohol has anti-anxiety properties to it, right? And it'll help them sort of get through things temporarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, then there's that risk of uh, be starting to get into the binge drinking and then the high-intensity drinking yeah. where it can become problematic. And, and kids will start doing things that they normally wouldn't do when they were sober and that's getting themselves into trouble, uh, getting into accidents, mm-hmm. having STDs, and that's when it becomes starts becoming a a real a challenge for them to yeah. be able to cope uh, with uh, with or without the alcohol. You're more likely to do something you regret when you're under the influence of alcohol. Absolutely. Uh, so 
uh, we all know that drugs and alcohol have, are disinhibiting. They'll cloud a person's judgment, and just bad things can happen. And you know, women will get raped, guys will get beat up, uh, and, and so it's just something that we want students to be cautious of this. Uh, we don't want to say that you can never have a drink or a beer, but it's just something that you have to be careful with. You can't let this get the best of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, I went through college and being out of it now, like my advice to college age people, especially the freshmen would be like, I don't drink, honestly, like pace yourself, figure it out first. Don't dive deep in and start taking a bunch of shots or over drinking because every oh everyone's taking a shot everyone's you know having this drink and that many beers like don't be a follower you gotta really think for yourself and and here's another phenomenon college kids when they've done surveys overestimate the amount of alcohol that their peers are consuming Mm. So, yeah, so if you want to keep up with somebody else, you may, you may actually be Drink more. Less. Yes, you're overcompensating here because they're actually drinking less than you may think they are, too. So uh, that, that's the other thing that, that, that when, you know, people's perception of others is that they're drinking more than what they actually are drinking. Yeah, and I think also, like, if you're, oh, if you have to feel peer pre- if you feel peer pressure to like take a shot, there's that trick of you pretend to take it, but you throw it over your shoulder, the liquid over your shoulder. No one knows because everyone else is taking their shot, so no one's paying attention to you taking yours. Um, so you have to be cautious, and 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 our advice to those that are struggling uh, when they get into colleges. You don't want to isolate either. You you don't want to be withdrawn. You don't want to be depressed uh, because you do want to socialize, but you don't have to be intoxicated to socialize either. Yeah. Uh, That's the other thing. You you want to get out and about. You want to be with friends, but you don't have to be getting plastered all the time. That doesn't doesn't have to be a part of the equation. Um, yeah, I think like the experience of college is fun enough to just be there that you don't even have to be intoxicated to know that you're having a good time. Well, college is an exciting time. We all know that it can be a lot of fun, but you don't want to get yourself into trouble either. It doesn't have to be that way. And you know, from a, a psychiatric perspective, it's it's important to, to also say that if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, just adjusting to college has been difficult, your classes are challenging, you may not be meeting friends that you thought you'd be meeting, you don't want to start drinking or smoking because this really elevates your suicide risk too. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we, we always want to caution uh students is that if you're feeling down and if you are feeling depressed you everybody knows now that there's the new avenue of 988 which is the 911 for uh mental health Mm -hmm. so if you do feel yourself getting overwhelmed reach out there's help available for you yeah and i would say also you know start communicating with your professors early on 
try to find that one professor that you feel comfortable with or you know your academic counselor or someone someone within the university structure that you can feel comfortable with should you start feeling down or not like yourself you can you can always have that one person that you can say hey you know, you know I I'm struggling I can't complete my homework I'm not showing up to class like you need you can always find that one person um, obviously it won't be all of your professors but if you can there's always that one professor that you can really make a connection with and of course there's also the student health clinics too that's a great place to go and and they they will be able to connect you to some therapy to a therapist somebody that can help help is available because you're not the first person that goes to college and starts feeling overwhelmed and feeling and starts feeling down and, and depressed and you wouldn't be the first person that committed suicide either so it's it we want you to know that the help is available help is there for you and if you start feeling extremely depressed and anxious and you can't sleep and you're feeling guilty or worthless and you start losing interest in things and your focus, these are all signs that you need help that you can. And so the help is available for you and, and you, you have to reach out for it though. Uh, unfortunately, there's not enough mental health awareness so that your peers or your teachers can spot someone who's not doing well and so you, it, this is going to have to be self-initiated. You're going to have to go out and try to get that help yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think I, we're hopeful for a good school year for everyone. Hopefully the COVID cases don't, you know, rage really high up and monkeypox is under control. And yeah, hopefully it's a good school year. Well, you know, the, the monkeypox, the COVID, they are stressors and they're added stressors to what can already be a stressful situation. So those are the risk factors that make people try to relieve their anxiety, turning to primarily alcohol and then the cannabis. And then, of course, there's a, f a few other drugs that people, that kids will turn to. But it's the alcohol and the, and the cannabis that are the main things that, that kids uh, try to re find relief in. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of 2020 Psych. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling withdrawn or isolated, hopeless, there is the number 988. You can always dial. It's a free resource. It's the emergency hotline. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day wherever you are.